You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Awesome. Well, hey, um, I'm so glad you just walked in because I'm about to ask a question that you might raise your hand to. Raise your hand if you like to bake. Yes. Yeah, um, Rachel and I just finished a cooking show called Next Level Chef. Anyone? Actually, yeah. yeah? Season two? It was so good. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, awesome. Um, we watch him all the time, even though there's always a new show by him, and we're like, why do you have that? But then I realized, like, oh, I want to watch it. That's why you have it, because people want to watch it. Um, Anyway, uh, everyone in that show was incredible at cooking, like incredible, until um, they had to do the baking round, and then all of them were terrified. Because baking is much different than cooking. Baking is intimidating because things need to be relatively exact or things go wrong. And if you're truly baking, you're doing it from scratch, which is an idiom from scratch that annoys me because I have no idea how it makes sense. We all know what from scratch means, yet I have no idea what that means. Um, But I googled it, and from scratch is uh, apparently refers to the starting line that you would scratch in the ground before a race begins. Now we all know. But if you're baking from scratch, uh, you are baking without any ingredient prepared beforehand. And you're starting at the beginning. So you're not buying the pie crust from the store. You're not getting the uh, sheets of puff pastry. You're making everything from the start. Imagine you are baking. And imagine you are missing a key ingredient. You are missing eggs, which are very valuable in baking. And so you are about to go buy some eggs and you are about to leave your house to go to the grocery store and right before you walk out your front door, you realize you don't have your wallet. And you don't have Apple Pay yet because you don't trust it and don't want it on your phone. You don't, you don't understand it, so you haven't gotten it yet. And you decide, you see your wallet and you decide, I'm just going to leave without it anyway. So you go to the grocery store without any money. You go to the grocery store with no intention to pay for anything. If you walk out of your house anyway with no way to pay for groceries, then when you go to the store, you will leave either with nothing or with something that is not yours. Dating without the intent of marriage is very similar If you date without the intent of marriage, you will either leave with nothing or leave with something that is not yours. The goal of marriage should be, or the goal of dating should be marriage. If it is not, it's a waste of time at best, and at worst, it's dishonoring to God and dishonoring to each other. So dating is uh, a topic that uh, people think about. (laughs) That's why we're talking about it. Um, Our world dates. I'm going to talk later about history of dating. It's kind of a new thing and the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about it, but the Bible does talk about things that the Bible cares about and it will contextualize dating 
for us. Um, last week, I set a foundation for all of life, all of relationships. We talked about how our life purpose, our life goal is to love God, which means glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so therefore, all of our relationships serve that same purpose. Love God, glorify God, enjoy God. All of our relationships fulfill that purpose, um, have that purpose. Next week, we'll be looking specifically at marriage and the marriage covenant and what does it mean to be a husband? What does it mean to be a, a wife? God cares a lot about marriage. We will talk more about what marriage is and learn more about it. But this week, we're talking about dating. So last week and next week, uh, contextualize this week. Dating. Dating does not make sense if we don't keep in mind the goal, marriage, and if we don't keep in mind the purpose of all of life, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews 13, 4. Um, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that's why we go to scripture. And in Hebrews 13, 4, it says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage should be honored by all. This doesn't say, hey, if you're married, you should care about knowing more about marriage. This is saying everyone should hold marriage in high honor. And so we want to do that. God created the world, and then he said, it is not good. And so God created marriage. Something was missing. Someone was missing. It was only after he created both Adam and Eve in a marriage covenant with each other that God then said about his creation, it is very good. Marriage should be honored by all because it was God's idea. And then it says, and the marriage bed should be kept pure because sexual intimacy was God's idea too. And every design, every idea, every purpose of God is good. And every time that we reject, break, or neglect God's ideas, designs, and purposes, we are doing something wrong. And I don't mean the type of wrong that says, I was driving, I made the wrong turn, but I was able to reroute, get back on track, and I got there on time. I'm talking about the type of wrong that is, I took the wrong turn, fell off a cliff, and I'm dead. God's design is where human flourishing is found, and rejecting God's design results in decay. Um, Rejecting God's design is inherently evil. It is symbolically giving God the finger. It is both evil inherently and it also produces evil in the world and we feel the ramifications of that. By rejecting God's design, we are rejecting his design for human flourishing. And that's true for even in the little things. All sin is sin, but not every sin is the same. Like obviously murder is more evil than cheating on a test. But every sin, any sin, is enough to damn you. Because any sin is a sin against a holy God. If we do not honor marriage, we dishonor 
God. And then it says, God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. God will judge. Who will he judge? This text says, the adulterer and sexually immoral. And who are they but those that dishonor marriage? So you might be thinking, well, I'm not either of those things. But the common denominator between those two types of people is a dishonoring of marriage. How do we dishonor marriage in the ways that we belittle it or think about it or think of ourselves relative to it? So as we think about relationships, there is so much more to think about. There's so much more to talk about. Um, but I think this is certainly one of the most important is that marriage is something God cares deeply about and we are meant to honor it. So this is what scripture says. What does that have to do with dating? Um, dating is not marriage. Full stop, dating is not marriage. Dating is also not singleness. Technically speaking, if you're not married, you are single. Uh, You're not in a covenant with someone, you are single. But when you're dating someone, you have responsibilities to that person, you have uh, expectations to that person, there's exclusivity in the dating relationship. Um, So dating is both not marriage and yet also not singleness. So what do we do with that? And the point that I want you to hear is this, that dating is best understood in light of what the Bible says about marriage. Hypothetically, and this hypothetical is for the ladies because the pronouns I use in it are feminine. But go ahead and switch them around. Um, Hypothetically, you go to a friend's house and you're watching a movie and you're eating popcorn, watching this movie. And you, you don't know everyone there. You were invited late. It's a dark room. You don't know everyone that's in the room. You're eating popcorn. And, and all of a sudden, you reach out for the popcorn, and another hand touches your hand. And this dude is just like the guy of your dreams. He likes, he likes dogs. You like dogs. He likes bacon. You like bacon. Uh, he wants to be a social worker, and so do you. Um, he wants to adopt kids, and so do you. He's watched every episode of Friends, and so have you. And you both want A, you both want B, and C. And then you ask him about his faith, and he says, I don't have one. And you say, but you, like, don't you, pr- you don't even pray? And he says, no, I don't even pray. He's out. He's a joke. <laughs> and he's not worth your time. Um, he's not worth your precious time you're not out here to play games he's a joke it'd be a game to think that it would be God honoring to give your heart to a man that has not given his heart to Jesus someone who seems compatible that doesn't know and love Jesus first is not compatible with a Christ follower Find someone who follows Jesus and then get to know him. Dating is when you both agree, let's continue to get to know each other as we walk towards marriage. That's what dating is. Let's continue to get to know each other as we walk towards marriage.
and you do that with someone that honors God, that's how you honor God through dating. And like I said at the start, um, dating is pretty new, which make and it's just all we know, so we think, what else could there be? Um, well, the vast majority of human history, marriages uh, were arranged because they were deeply tied to community and family. And to us, modern, individualistic Westerners think that's insanity. And I'm with you. I think it's crazy. <laughs> but it's what happened for the majority of human history. And by and large, it was for the benefit of you and the benefit of your family and it, your primary community, not your peers, but your parents chose who you would marry, both for financial and social reasons above romantic. And it worked forever, pretty much. Um, and I'm not saying it worked as in it was perfect. I'm saying it, people lived and honored God in that system. Uh, in the 1800s, in the United States, things started to develop uh, because there were a lot more viable partners for parents to choose from due to social and financial positive changes. Uh, basically, more, more eligible guys were available for the family to review. And they'd come to the family and they'd spend time with the whole family and the power was in the hands of the female and her family because the, the, the man would come to the family and the power was in the, the hands of the female and, the, and the, her family. In the 1900s, uh, what we call dating basically came into existence with the financial independence of many young men, uh, with the culture caring a lot less about family values and more about individual values, the men would take the women out. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out of your family house. Rather than coming into the family, the boys would take the girls out, outside the family context, and the importance of the family benefit uh, went more and more out the window. And dating emphasized spending money being seen, having fun. And just like how previous generations were called to honor God in the context they were in, we are called to honor God in the context we are in. How do we do that with the current culture that we have? None of these iterations of how you get to marriage are inherently bad or good, but there are some things to be aware of. The Bible does not give a guidebook on how to do this, and yet the Bible cares deeply about relationships. The Bible cares deeply about the marriage relationship. The Bible cares deeply about the parent and child relationship. The Bible cares deeply about our church friendships and relationships, and the Bible cares deeply about our relationship with God. The Bible has a lot to say about our relationships, and dating is not in there. But that does not mean that dating is evil, kiss it goodbye. What it means is marriage contextualizes dating. That dating is best understood in light of what the Bible says about marriage. Being married is good, uh, being single is good, and seeking marriage is good if it's done within God's boundaries. We date well 
when we honor marriage as the goal of dating. There is so much more to say. Um, But I have three things that I want to say among the many things I could say. I have three more things. First, marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. Second, I have some tips on dating. And then third, I have a challenge to all the single guys in the room. But first, marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. Marriage is beautiful. It symbolizes the gospel. It symbolizes the fact that Jesus, the selfless, humble sacrifice of Jesus to justify and sanctify his beloved. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. You are not missing out on any necessary milestone in your life if you don't get married. You're not missing out on any necessary milestone. The necessary community for us is found in our families and in our faith families. You are loved and known in your faith family and you don't need to go looking for identity in someone other than Jesus. Marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. And someone might be thinking, what about sex? And my response would be, what about, what do you think it is? Sex is an act of covenantal renewal between spouses. It is beautiful and useful within marriage because it is a renewal of a covenant that they made on their wedding day. It is dehumanizing and destructive outside of that context. It is purely selfish outside of a covenantal context between a man and a woman. You can't renew a covenant that doesn't exist. It's selfish. So when, when I say you do not need to be married, that follows you do, do not need to have sex. If you feel yourself, if you feel yourself emotionally pulled to believe otherwise, then process what it is or who it is that makes you believe that lie. Marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. Next, I have some dating tips. Um, I gave these five years ago to the high schoolers Some of you may have been in the room. I don't know. Um, Because some of you guys were in the youth group at the time. But um, I went back and looked at them and I was like, these are pretty great. And I added some. And I actually think these are even more so helpful for young adults. So listen to to these if you're not married. And if you are married, then encourage others in them. Uh, Number one, recognize that there are seasons for not seeking marriage. Absolutely. There are good seasons to not seek a good thing. Um, Number two, don't seek a spouse out of loneliness. I think we all can think of someone that has done that and we've seen it hurt them. uh, Number three, get more serious the older you get. My best advice I give to 15-year-olds is do take a slow your 15 uh, versus like a 25-year-old. I wouldn't say that because they're 25. They're not 15. Um, When I was, when I first met Rachel, I was a sophomore in college and I knew my job requires me to stay on campus, I automatically know we're three years out from getting married, so we adjusted our pace in dating accordingly. And you you take things more serious the older you get. You can, if you're a freshman year, you're not thinking, let's get married in a year. You're thinking uh, five years, (laughs) right? So uh, get more serious the older you get, life life changes. 
life stage changes. Uh, don't seek marriage, which is dating, seeking marriage, dating. Uh, don't seek marriage with a non-Christ follower. Don't seek marriage with a non-Christ follower. That's a biblical command. Uh, next one, godly boundaries matter more than your feelings. Next, underst- understand attraction comprehensively. Um, attraction is necessary physically, but it's also necessary emotionally and intellectually. Do you, do you appreciate their humor? Do you like the things that they like? Are you, are you passionate about similar things? Um, do you get along? Can you ha- hold a conversation? Like, are you attracted to anything else about them? All holistic attraction. Uh, get and submit to lots of godly community input. If there's one thing in that history of dating that we lost as a culture, it's caring what our godly influences in our lives think. Because it's, it's, we were yanked out of a, a communal, familial context and into an individualistic one, and that comes with its benefits, and it definitely comes with its negatives, which would be we lose out on submitting to lots of godly input get and submit to lots of godly community input. And then lastly, ask people on dates. That's, this is my last thing to say. Men, don't make girls ask you out. Ask, like, uh, there's a nice model um, of guys asking girls out. And the reason for that is because husbands take the role of leader and it's good when a husband takes that role of leader seriously. Caveat, a boyfriend is not the leader of his girlfriend because they're not married. She is not your wife. She's your sister in Christ. A husband is going to be judged by the way he leads his wife. A boyfriend is not going to be judged by the way he leads his girlfriend. A boyfriend is going to be judged by how he treated and honored his sister in Christ. But um, it's nice to see competency of leadership in a man and when he takes the initiative, asks the girl out, that's, that's nice. So men, if you see someone that you'd like to get to know, Ask women on dates that honor God. Um, Say, I want to get to know you better. Could I take you on a date over dinner? Say it's a date because that's your intention. I want to get to know you. That's as simple as it is. And then ladies, be open to going on a date with a guy who had the courage to ask. And assuming, of course, someone follows Christ and aren't already committed to getting to know someone else in a dating relationship, then... Going on a first date should not be a huge deal and it should also not be a huge deal to not go on a second date. So, we talked a little bit about dating, why it's really weird, but hopefully some Christian principles to help our community as we honor each other better and we try to honor God better and love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, we do that all as we seek to love God in all of our relationships and I would love if we spent some time talking about it now. Um, read Hebrews 13.4. What sticks out to you about the passage? What questions come up when you read it? What does this passage tell you about Jesus? Uh, number four, what did you find helpful about what was said tonight? Uh, number five, what aspects of dating and marriage, etc., relationships uh, would you want to learn more about? And then lastly, what relationships, this is my favorite question, what relationships, dating or married, have you seen in your life? that you look up to, and why. Uh, we'll spend about 30 minutes talking about this, and we'll do prayer, prayer requests at our tables, and then we'll all go home safely.
to our warm beds. So let's do that. 